The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Amy Bredo, and you're listening to Raising the Bar. Pretty excited to introduce today's guest. Uh, he thinks he's funny. He told me I'm supposed to say that he's sexy, but we won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> my guest today is a man named Gerald Benford. It's funny, we actually connected on Facebook and just... Um, started talking and have really gotten into some great conversation. You know, Gerald lives in Little Falls, New Jersey with his beautiful wife and his two kids. Sounds like they have a house full of animals with two uh, cats and a dog. Interesting thing about Gerald is that he is a writer, a comic, a graphic designer, a social media guru, and he does a lot of other good stuff. So I'm pretty excited to share him with you all. Good morning, Gerald. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to have you. Thank you for not um, making me say your name with your French talk. You should have said it the way I told you to say it. It would have had more effect. I wish, can you please share how, how I actually should have pronounced your name? <laughs> I don't even remember. I thought I told you some craziness. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, it was and I, go ahead. And I just want to thank you for that intro, too, because that sounded wonderful. I thought so. so I really thought it, it was important. A lot better than it is. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. You know, I've been able to watch some of your stand-up online, and um, you're pretty funny. I was impressed. I was like, you know, okay, you. I can see that. I'm just kidding. But I just wanted to, um, again, thank you, and I was excited to have you on because I've been really wanting to have some comic relief on the show. And we've, I've had a great time with uh, other guests that I've had on, but you uh, really struck me as somebody of great character and you had a great sense of humor. So it was a win-win situation for me and for you and for all of our listeners. So See, this is I, why I don't like you. You put too much pressure on me. Oh, so I haven't even started. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be an episode of sarcasm. So everybody's been warned. <laughs> um, it will be. I wanted to ask you truly to like talk a little bit about your background. Are you from the East Coast? I, I was curious to know, like, were you the funny kid in class? I was the goofball in class, of course. Uh, a reigning champ about six years in a row, which means that, uh, you know, I was constantly in trouble. <laughs> my father did not like my title. Um, and I'm originally from uh, Remington, Virginia. Okay. How country does that sound? Really country. Why don't you throw in yeah, some I'm twang? A, huh? I said you need to throw in a little southern twang when you talk. tell your story. Oh, what? oh you don't hear it? Oh, I'm there it is. All the time that they can tell I'm not from New Jersey. 
I'm always told that all the time. I get, I have a little bit, but when I go down to Virginia, I come back and it just, uh, I sound a little hillbilly. Sound like some teeth and fell out. <laughs> that's back. so funny. But it's a small town. I grew up in a little small, uh, little country town, you know, where, uh, even when you weren't married anymore, you were still siblings. That kind of town, real small country. <laughs> How'd you end up in up New here. Jersey? Huh? How'd you end up in New Jersey? I was working for Kodak at the time in, in, in uh, Virginia, and the company was starting up here in New Jersey. This was around 1991. And so I came up then and started working here and just just stayed. And it's just beautiful up here. Well, it was at the time when you're 21 and single. New Jersey's yeah. a fantastic place. But when you're 45 and trying to pay a mortgage, it sucks. Miserable. <laughs> I'm Horrific. sure... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm good. I was going to say, I'm sure the folks of New Jersey love love that shout out. So if you're 45 and you're paying a mortgage, do not live in New Jersey, folks. This is the message. This is the message. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, we all in the same boat. We all agree with it. We won't let you talk about New Jersey, but amongst each other, we know this is a pit of hell. It's like an elevator <laughs> to hell. But you're not allowed to say it. It's like that family member, you know, you, you know. We can like talk he, about him all day, but, you know. Right, but you'll you defend him. crazy Jimmy alone. Yeah, I got that. So let's talk about, okay, so you moved to the East Coast. When did you decide to try your hand at comedy? I Actually, uh, just 10 years ago, 2006 was my first time getting on stage. I never even thought about doing comedy before that. I was working at Outback, and, and we used to, we the worst waiting staff ever. If you would have went to the Outback in 2006, I could have promised you, Epic, horrific service. Bad, bad service. Late food, forgetful, just, it was a horrible team of just young guys. I'm fun. So, I was working there, and we would just do all kinds of crazy silliness, and then everybody would tell me, you know, wow, why don't you do comedy? And then one day, I went to a little crappy open mic, and that was it. Did Did you go up just kind of off the cuff, ready to just make fun of somebody, or did you prepare what you were going to speak about? I prepared the first time because, I, you know, you don't know what you're doing, so you go listen to all your heroes, and then you go, all right, I'm going to try a little of this and a little of that. But I was, I was so terrified of doing it at first that I had a friend, I made him tell my jokes on stage, and, and he ruined them. I was like, you're horrible. So I was going to go up there and do it myself. Right, because you're going to do it too. I'm sorry? <laughs> I threw my best friend right into that. But, oh, uh, my gosh. You'd rather destroy your jokes on your own. And you're funny, too. You should try stand-up, too. You know, it's funny. I appreciate that, and I've been told that. And, I, you know, I've been in the, the service industry for a long time. Uh, rest, the whole restaurant game really intrigues me, and it's something that I dabble in from time to time, even, you know, amongst all the other jobs that I have going on, just because I think it's fun to meet interesting people. It does give you a lot of material. I can imagine that you can do a whole entire set on um, people at restaurants and things that they say and things that they do. You know, like I said, I, I don't know if I could prepare. I feel like I'd rather do more improv, but who knows? That could be a, a bucket list item for me. We'll see. You, we'll need, see. you need to go up there and try it for anything else, just for just just. Cut it out the bucket list. Just just go up there and bomb or be good. Whatever you're going to do, just go ahead and add it to the list. But That's how much vodka should I drink before I do it? 
Um, I don't I have a <laughs> when I do comedy, but I know a lot of people that just take that edge. I have a, like a little shot, drop a shot, and then just get up on stage and just have fun I, with it. Don't don't have too much to drink because too much truth will come out. Yeah, that's for sure. And then that would be a whole, that wouldn't be funny as much as it would be therapy, but you never know you can help people mm-hmm. that way too. <laughs> yeah, because then we find out what type of waiter you are. You know, last week I took the steak and rubbed it on the toilet. Like, you don't want to be that drunk. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I wouldn't, I feel like I wouldn't say that. You know, yeah, people are, people are interesting. There's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of material there that, that's funny. So you did, you did your first open mic that went well. It went well in my head. It was a horrific mess. It was a train wreck. I sucked. But, you know, when you first get up there, you get that giggle. You think you did. So I was showing this video to everybody after my first time. And it was, I don't even have it anymore, but I can imagine how how bad it was. But you learn. You learn anything you do well. You got to learn it. You got to go through war wounds and and shit come out the other side of sunshine and funny jokes. Right, right. You know, did you ever post this video online? Because I bet we could find it. No, no, that was 2006. I oh, yeah, well, didn't come out to 2008, so social oh. media was not there yet. <laughs> oh, darn it, darn it. You know, what's if your website, was, Gerald? Go ahead and tell everyone I, your website. Oh, my website is GeraldB.com, J-E-R-R-O-L-D as in dog, B as in boy, dot com. And there you can see all my crazy videos and other stuff. Yeah, you're really funny. I like how you talk about relationships and kids. And I, and I think a lot of comics do that. But I, I noticed in the few, the few videos that I was able to see, like, it was a very smooth transition kind of between subject matter. You were really able to circle back. And you're a storyteller. And I, um, I enjoyed that because I find, you know, sometimes you will watch comics and they'll just stutter through things or they'll go way too long with things or they push the envelope mm-hmm. a little well, harder you than they should. Set. You have to come to an open mic where none of that stuff is... See, when you hear a polished set, you know, you don't hear all the, you know, the crap, you know, that builds up that nice set. But if you go to the open mics, that's where you hear the real deal and the joke sucks. And, yeah. Chris, Chris Rock goes to an open mic. He's up on stage for 50 minutes just talking. No one's laughing, but he's working through material. That has to be a terrible feeling. When you're bodybuilding, you got to get to the stages. You start off with a two-pound and you work your way up to a 50. I'm never never working my way up to a 50. What are we talking about, curls? Yeah, you better not be on a 50. That would (laughs) be horrific. (laughs) That would be awkward. That would be a little heavy for No woman should have those arms. (laughs) <laughs> no, and some do, and God bless the ones that do. I just feel I'm at a point no, where I'm like, I'm pretty happy with 25s. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I've got nothing against their arms. I mean, I don't want them around me because then i got to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, okay, so you bombed the first time. When did you really kind of get into your groove? You know, we've got a few minutes here. I want to talk more about your comedy before I kind of segue into some other cool things that you do with that. You know, how long did it take you to kind of get into a groove to, to hone and polish your skills where you were, you know, getting on some bigger stages? I think like it, within the first year, I, I kind of zipped through a little faster because I wanted it. You know, you also have to want it. You got to have that talent too. You got to be like that natural, funny person. If you're not naturally funny, then it's you know that's why open mics are full of people that are just there to take up space. But I, I knew I had something, so I just you know just honed in on it. Just 
start learning from the best. You put on some Richard Pryor and some Bill Cosby and some uh, Dave Chappelle and, and Bill Burr and all those guys, and, and they'll help you uh, figure out how it works. I feel like it wouldn't help this Midwestern white girl. I feel like I feel like I I can't get away with that in form in the terms of talking about pudding pops and um, pudding stuff. Pops. Richard Pryor did. Pudding pops. No, as a Midwestern white girl, you have to well, you have to talk what you know. Yeah. And you have an interesting story too, but we're getting that. And that that's funny. You have funny stories, so you know everybody's got a funny story. It's just you right. know, just have to know how to display it. Thank you. You know, I, that's kind of what I want to talk about. You know, and stuff that I have shared with you, I often like to make fun of myself, and I really get a kick, honest to God, about kind of ribbing myself, even like through things that were actually traumatic. And mm-hmm. a girlfriend and I um, went through some. You know, she went through some issues in her marriage, and I went through through some issues in her marriage, and. My marriage is fine, everybody. Like, we worked through it and stuff. And she ended up getting divorced. But we would have these conversations after we would drink a bottle of wine. And, you know, mm. like you said, that's when it's real honest. And we would be, like, laughing at things that were so not funny. But if you don't laugh, like, you'll die. <laughs> at least that's mm-hmm. how we, we felt at the time. And we talked about writing this book about, you know, this book called Laugh at That Which You Cannot Handle. You know, and we've got all this stuff mm-hmm. written and... You know, we talk about it, but, you know, do you find that any of your material comes from things like that? Because I think, too, as a, as a comic or somebody that's out in the public speaking, you make yourself vulnerable to a point that people acknowledge that you're a real person. But then when you can make fun of it, I think it helps lighten it for other people, too. Like, has there been anything that's been what you would categorize as traumatizing that has kind of become some material for you? Um, no. No, I'm, I'm, it's, it's weird because I talk to a lot of people and they go, they ask me the same question, like, what uh, what thing made you become a comic? Because we know you guys are all miserable. And I go, no, actually, I'm just the opposite. I'm a big, happy goofball that just enjoys having an audience to do my goofballing around. So I don't really have any uh, life-altering thing. I just like to be goofy. Like I a, love that. And I love that you I, kind I, of, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I love that you describe yourself as funny mm-hmm. for no damn reason. You know, funny which no to me, reason. I exactly. yeah, to me, I take it like I just in my conversations with you, whether it was over Facebook or on the phone, like I like that kind of cocky sarcasm. I know some people have trouble with it, and maybe because they do have kind of a sad, depressing life. I have no idea, and you know, I'm not razzing people that go through things, but sometimes I do. Not gonna lie. Um, you know, but I like that about you. You know, we just have a few moments before our break, and I want to talk more about um, some philanthropic things that you're involved in and some of your writings and things you do for kids. But, you know, what would be your best advice for somebody besides getting up to an open mic? Like, say you meet somebody, you get to know them a little bit, they're naturally funny. Like, how would you coach them or encourage them to move forward in that? Because I think that there's a lot of people with a lot of talent out there or hidden talent that could really just bring a lot of joy even to people for an hour. Like, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? Would you instruct them to just hit it, go to school? What would you say? I just tell them you got to go get on stage. There's really, the cool thing about comedy is one of the rarest forms of, uh, the simplest and, and, and rarest forms of entertainment is just you and a crowd. There's 
you can't prepare for what's going to happen immediately. You you learn the the rules of it, but yeah. you know you have to get into that lion's den, and you don't know what the hell that lion, aka the crowd, is going to do to you. Even when you have a winning set, you can go into the wrong lion's den and get your behind chewed off. Uh, I can it only doesn't imagine. matter. Yeah, so I can you, only imagine. <laughs> you know, everybody yeah, listening. All, oh, go ahead. I'm being all PG-13 uh, for you today. <laughs> no, and you can be an adult, but yeah, like I said, I want to be. I'm like, let's see. So I could have said, chew your ass off. I could have said You can that. say that. You can say that. We're okay, not. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, and you know what? You, you can even say ass and mean donkey in, in public forums, and I think it's okay. There Just, you go. They can chew your donkey ass off. There you that's, go. I get you. That's for sure. For those of you that would like to learn more about Gerald, please visit his website. And you can also find him on Facebook at Gerald Benford and also on Twitter. Now, get ready for this handle, everybody. It's J Diggy X. So I don't know if you were yeah. feeling pretty sassy on those days, but he's on Twitter and Instagram. We are going to take a quick break. Uh, you are listening to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo, and my guest today, the very funny, sexy comic, Mr. Gerald Benford. And we will be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. How are the priorities doing in your life? You might be doing well in your career, but something's suffering at home. Maybe you have a great relationship with your kids, but you don't always feel right or things are lagging at work. How do you take charge of it all? Tune in to Master Your Life with host Leah Mattinson. We'll help you sort out the personal and professional lives to triumph over them both. Listen live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. 
Now, back to the show. And welcome back. You're listening to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo, and my guest, Mr. Gerald Benford, funny man, a.k.a. author, serious comic, graphic designer. Let's talk about, um, so you went to school for graphic design. You're doing all of this while you're doing comedy. Let's talk about, you know, I, I read your book and it's very cute. I'm excited to uh, share that with my nieces when I see them in a few weeks. You know, I didn't realize, I, th- I guess I think we were too busy being sarcastic and laughing back and forth. You know, I didn't realize that you mentored kids as well. Yeah, I've done that too. No, I mean, that's, that's the Is that something you still do? Are you teaching do. graphics to students? Um, was that something you did on your own time? No, I was actually hired to do it. It was something I wanted to do when I got with the right people um, uh, through Essex County Schools, one of the counties out here in Jersey, and and uh, they had me going to some of the uh, the tougher schools to teach these kids some uh, some different skills. So one of the things I was teaching them is, is graphic design and Photoshop, and uh, it was fun. It was fun. It's great to be with kids that they're so real, and and when you're in the hood, the hood kids are really real. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I imagine you learned. Day over there. Yeah, I imagine you learned from from them as well. Did you find? Um, do you still? Are you still teaching now? No, I'm not teaching now. I was curious to know. Teachers, I'm teaching comedy to children next. Oh, that's awesome! I would. Oh my gosh! Actually, <laughs> if you were close, I would send one of my kids there, or actually two of them. Um, my question with that is: Okay, so let's talk about. So these are inner city kids that have some desire and some raw talent. Do you think that you were able to influence them to make better choices and to do something with those talents? Or do you think they were just, they weren't the type of kids that were just in there because they had to be there, right? Well, they had to be there. It was, you know, it was part of the curriculum they had set up. Oh, it was. But okay. uh, I, I, I assume I made a few, uh, I made an impression on one or two. I made an impression on one because I happened to be at a gas station one day years later. And a Spanish dude comes up to me and he's like, hey, I know you. And I was like, no, you don't. And he's like, <laughs> I know you. And uh, I said, I don't know where you could know me. And he said, you used to teach graphics over in Newark. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, was your child there? He said, I was the child. Oh, did well, you feel old? one of the students. And he goes, uh, I just want you to know that I enjoyed that fun man. Thank you. So, so it was nice to hear that. And it's also nice to know how old I was. Right, uh, because if you didn't know by looking in the mirror every day, that was clearly a reminder. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, it's funny you say that. I walked into a little grocery store today um, in the small town a few miles away where my girls ride horses, and I was picking up like coffee cakes or something to drop off to somebody at their house. And a woman was behind the front desk and I worked at this grocery store when I was a senior in high school and uh, nothing has changed in this grocery store. Okay, So it's still the same big globe lights above the register. It still smells weird when you walk in um, little small town grocery store and I just kind of was standing at the register shaking my head and the, and the cashier was like, what? I said, you know, I worked here 25 years ago and it's still the same. And the girl behind the service desk is like, I was here then. And I looked at her and I remembered her name. And I said, Charity? And she's like, yeah, it's me. I'm like, hi, I'm Amy. Like, you probably don't remember me. And she's like, oh, no, you know, it's funny. You do seem familiar and whatever. We got to talking. And then I realized, like, oh, crap. My oldest kid is going to be 20, 21 this year. So, yeah, I kind of. You are getting 
old. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to fight it every step of the way. So if there's anybody out there that likes to donate Botox, you let me know. No, you grow old where you are. I will grow old later. in our own way. You sound like my husband. (laughs) Very funny. So, all right. So you taught the kids. You mentored the kids. And did you... You know, did you feel like you were making a difference with some of them? I, I, I like the fact that the, the kid recognized you or he was an adult man, a very old adult man with probably had a cane, recognized you as his teacher. Exactly. But, you know, do you think that there were any kids in that classroom as well, though, that you really could have encouraged or solidified the fact that they had talent and potential and maybe made better choices? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Some of the kids, uh, they picked up the so and what I was doing very quickly and uh, made some nice art pieces and, and uh, you know, I talked to them and some of them were interested in being artists or designers and things like that. So, yeah, you can you can see right away who you're influencing and some kids are just like, this is over yet. And so, uh, <laughs> definitely, I touched a few of them. Nice, nice. So and let's talk about... I wanted to touch. <laughs> yeah, that's a little creepy the way you said that, but I was just trying to skate over yeah, it. Yeah, that was bad. But you know what I meant. I wanted to beat the hell out of someone's child. In a nice yes. way. And you know what the good thing about that is then if it would have happened, it would not, been a, it would not have been on video. That, 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 that was pretty, yeah, that was pretty uh, social media time, too. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I said, damn, I'm old. Yeah, ancient. You're older than I am, so I'm going to really, really give you some crap about that. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Now, how old are you? How old are you? 42. Okay. Oh, you just, you, you, if we was in a race, I can see you out of my peripheral, so you ain't that far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Let's talk about <laughs> comics that give a damn. I know we kind of just touched that subject briefly when we had our conversation, so I don't know a whole lot about it. I would like to share more about it with our listeners. Um, how did you get involved in that, and what exactly does that mean, and what are we supporting here with Comics That Give a Damn? Well, Comics That Give a Damn, that's, uh, I just attached a name to something that I've always been passionate about. I've always wanted to make my comedy mean something. I always wanted mm-hmm. to, uh, how can I give back? What can I do? to give back because I have no money. So I figured I'd let my jokes uh, hopefully fill up a room and then they can just take that money because I can't donate nothing. So myself and a fellow comic, Mr. Kevin Israel, um, who also is part of, uh, you know, his partner in the company I'm in, we, uh, we just wanted to do something. So we started putting a series of shows together and we labeled it comics that give a damn and we give uh, usually all the proceeds to either breast cancer awareness and uh, cure and for kids cancer something I'm very uh, passionate about I don't have anybody in my family that has cancer because that's always the next question who in your family has it and I go nobody has it it's just I don't like to see little kids stuck in a building uh, while other kids are outside playing so Right, right. And I think that even when something doesn't personally affect you, it's interesting how I think we're kind of created and put together to have um, 
empathy towards things that we don't understand. So I'm very thankful mm. that you haven't that you haven't had to experience that. I know in my own life, my son lost um, his best friend, you know, his best girlfriend from high school just at 19 years old from a brain tumor. And so I know I try to do a lot to come on alongside her mother and that foundation to support pediatric cancer. So I think that's awesome that you do that. And I'm, I actually look forward to somehow getting you out here to Chicago to maybe do some things. You know, my, my passion was always uh, for orphans. I wasn't necessarily orphaned. Actually, I was not orphaned. I had different issues with my family or upbringing, and that's okay too. But um, isn't it just interesting how our heartstrings are pulled towards one cause or another? You know, so it, exactly. it, yeah, I, I love that. So how is how has your feedback been from doing those shows and the venues that you chose? Were they uh, all the way behind it as far as donating anything coming from them? Was it, you know, I think it's good for other comics or other people to hear, you know, kind of how it happens. Like what are the logistics or mechanics of doing a fundraiser as a comic? You know, do you do it by... Um, Door, door charge or, you know, something because it could be something mm-hmm. that local comment, comics could do for, for youth cancers. Well, the good thing is when you say you're doing a fundraiser, most people are with you. It's, you right. know, it's not like, ah, I'm not really with the whole kids and cancer thing, sorry. But, you know, most people, <laughs> they're, they're right behind you, you know, as far as the venue, as far as any type of advertising. Um, people are willing to, to pay to come see the show. Like, it's, it, it kind of sells itself, in a sense. You know, you got to really push and promote it. But people are genuinely decent, you know, and they will come out and they will donate and they'll, they'll help out. It's a personal thing for each individual to say, hey, I did my part in some way or another. So whether they're on stage or in the audience, we're all there for the same cause and all there to help somebody who cannot help himself. So, yeah, we've had great success with the people in the venues, and we're working with some of the organizations in cancer. Um, We're trying to get attached to a few of them so we can really do some big things. We're looking to do some really big things and and really fill up some some stadiums and and just making a change. Yeah, that would be awesome. Do you feel... Is it okay? Would you mind sharing some of the organizations that you're hoping to work with or some that you've been affiliated with so far? Um, the Children's Tomorrow Fund is the only one that's, like, really on board with us, like, as in, like, aligning with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in front of my computer right now. I can't think of any that's names. That's okay. another one. <laughs> you know, I, I know. You're all the time. You're horrible. I'm sorry. What would you say? I said, you're horrible. You put me on the spot and I can't think right now. No. Um, That's okay. Yeah, uh, we have a couple, we have a couple we're, we're talking with, but tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow Children's Fund, I think I said, not Children's Fund. Tomorrow Children's Fund are uh, with us. I'm only asking so that our listeners can share in that with you. And you never <laughs> no, know, know who you're going to connect I with. I know. Yeah, you never know who you're going to connect with, too. I do want to encourage all of our listeners, do follow uh, Gerald Benford on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. But obviously, Instagram and Twitter are your funky, fresh name of, what, J Diggy X? Did I get that right? J Diggy X. J Diggy X. I just want to say that all day. It makes me happy. (laughs) It makes me happy to say that name. When you first get on these social networks, when you don't have a clue what's going on, like you just want to be... uh, 
I sort of do things about them all of a sudden it becomes versatile and you're like, crap, I'm stuck to that name. <laughs> Well, you are stuck well, to it. It's funny because for a joke, somebody called me Spitfire one day. So Facebook, I'm Amy Spitfire Bredo, and also on Instagram. Well, now it has stuck not only for my social media handles, but it has stuck even in um, the company that I work with. My name badge says that, <laughs> like for recognition cool. and stuff. So I think the Spitfire's there to stay. I think it is. I, I, uh, the best way to remember people. And yeah. as a comic, the first thing I do when I go through the crowd is I give everyone a name based on where they would throw you know it's, it's memory you get so when they say spitfire they know you they know what you're attached to it works yeah it's true it's true and you know but then it's like what if you have those days where like womp womp today's gloomy today I'm Eeyore I'm not, today it looks like I'm rain i fire today no I can't but I can't even have those days because even in the days you know, in the days uh, that aren't always the easiest, you know, today, I talked to you earlier. I had a, a, a rough start to my morning just with some um, mm-hmm. news of an injured friend that we're going to keep praying for. But, you know, I had yeah, to. Hopefully, uh, that'll, hopefully that'll go occur because that, that's horrible. I don't like, I really don't like stuff happening to kids. I really, really yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, now that I started the story. So everybody out there, if you are praying people, say a prayer. Yeah, we have a a good friend of my daughter's who's 16 and she got thrown off her horse and broke her back and uh, she landed in sand. So it's, it's kind of a weird situation. So she did have surgery. So far, we were told that she's not going to walk again. However, we did just get some encouraging. Yeah, we, well, here's the encouragement. The next 72 hours could shift things a little bit. Um, they did actually realize there were some bone fragments on the spine that they removed. So they're hopeful that the swelling will go down more than originally thought. So I'm going to hold on to the fact that, first of all, God is good. Anything is possible. And um, until I'm told for certain, I'm going to remain optimistic on that for her, for her family, you know, and, and for all the kids. So thank you for letting me share that. And I didn't mean to, uh, to be a downer. The grateful side of that, her mom is like, you know what? She's alive. She's a fighter. And we're going to move forward. So, so that being said, I will definitely keep you, you guys posted on that. Um, now I totally now I went brain dead. So I had another question in my mind. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Let me circle back. Okay. So we were talking about comics that give a damn. Now, do you think that you guys will branch out into different causes? Because now my mind, my wheels are spinning about a fundraiser that I'm working on to raise money for um, a battered women and children's shelter, as well as some orphanages. Okay, we have no, no limits, no limits. Just because uh, this is the direction we started in, uh, you know, I would do a fundraiser for anything. Did I've everybody hear that? Gerald Benford's coming to Chicago. <laughs> that's it. I, I don't care. Um, yeah, I've done the, the stuff for pets. I've done stuff for, I've done battered uh, women uh, events before. Um, uh, a lot of different uh, fundraisers for different, you know, uh, problems and things like that. So uh, uh, there's no limit, whatever. You know, if right. I can help anybody, I don't care. I don't care if it's people who teeth aren't white enough, they need to buy more whitening stuff. Let's do a fundraiser for that and get them some some whitening so they can get rid of their yellow teeth. <laughs> I feel like that fundraiser would not be very productive, but I'll give you like a dollar. <laughs> Just kidding. 
We have just a few moments before break, you know, and I want to come back. I want to talk a little bit more about your family and the dynamic that you have uh, with your wife and your kids and and about your writing, because I think that's super important to share with people. You have so many different talents, um, which given your personality and the way we kind of banter back and forth, yeah, I'm sure you know you're talented. So just pretend you're humble and say thank you but (laughs) I do want to talk about that because your book is great so we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to continue talking to Gerald Benford about his family life what his wife really thinks of him the dynamics of his children and about a great new book that he has just released so you are listening to Raising the Bar with me Amy Bredo and we'll be right back It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybredo.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybredo.com. Women in sport has come a long way in a reasonably short time. In the 1950s, most women's sport was casual, recreational competition, followed by snacks or a light lunch. Today, women's sport is competitive, powerful, and in the mainstream. Whether it's collegiate, Olympics, or professional leagues, tune in to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up, where you'll discover the path that women's sport has taken over the past 50 years and more. Featuring your host, Carol A. Oglesby. Listen Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, I'm Amy Bredo, as you all know, and you are listening to Raising the Bar. Welcome back. For those of you that are just joining us, you better 
make sure you get on the replay of this one because today we have on Gerald Benford, really funny guy from the East Coast, but he's secretly a closet hillbilly and he'll tell you more about that. But Gerald is a comedian, a social media guru, a graphic designer, and an author. And we didn't have a chance to talk about your writing very much yet. And I was curious kind of before we got into your book um, to talk about, you know, did you start, was writing something you kind of always did? Was it was it something you thought about? You know, I know a lot of people think about writing books, and sometimes yeah, they really it was, suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was one of the things that I was just thinking, you know, I always thought about it when my son was young. You know, when your kids are young, sometimes you go buy the book, and you read all the books that you buy, and then sometimes you make up your own little personal stories with them. And that's what me and my son did. I, everything I used to do with him was personalized. Like, you know, all our little stories were just him and I. So one day I started to write all that stuff down in notes, and I said, this would be great ideas to turn into a book. And that was, what, that was probably about 12 years ago. I wrote down the notes and drew up some images, and of course, you know, life zips on by, and then 12 years later, I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to finish this. So I just finished it one day and, and, and got it done. I mean, it's just one of those things that you have to, stop thinking so much. I think a lot more people would write books if they just stop thinking about how hard it is and how they don't know what to write about. Just write. Let it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if it makes you feel any better, when I was talking about the, um, you know, what the book has started, to be honest, you know, in the nice. book, uh, Laugh at That, which you cannot handle that I'm co-writing with a, with a friend of mine. Everything is literally written on cocktail napkins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nope old notebook paper, like the back of menus that we took from whatever mm-hmm. restaurant we were at. And even just for me, anyway, reading those things out of context sometime is, they're just so completely ridiculous that you, you know, you can't help but giggle at it. And I think that um, that's going to be the compilation. So I like that. I like to encourage people to just write it down because if it's something that's in you, you feel like people need to hear Mm-hmm. Then they they probably need to hear it. So, let's talk about your family. So, your oldest son is the one that you started all these this storytelling with. How old is he? He is now seventeen and six feet tall and all muscles and uh, uh, incredible football player, smart kid, and uh, just all around good son. That's my that's my homie. That's awesome. So, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. That's your that homie. 17-year-old and, and two-year-old. That's a By nice age, yeah. Mama. Oh, <laughs> I like that you put in from the same mama. And I do have yeah, to nobody. preface, I do have to preface, you know, my mom um, had me young and was married and got remarried later and they had my sister. And so that's my sister. I never looked at it as a half-sister. Her dad raised me. That mm-hmm. was my dad. But we never had the same last name, my sister and I. One time, I can't remember what I was talking about with my mom, but I said, and I looked at her and I'm like, you know what's so exciting to me? And she's like, what? I'm like, I have all these kids and they all have the same dad. And like her hand came like flying through the air and she like smacks me in the arm. She's like, nice. And I was like, oh, no, no, I meant that nice because I was a young mom. I had my kids young. Uh, we had three right in a row. And I just was really impressed with my life at the moment. <laughs> I wasn't trying to slam my mom, but I don't know, you saying that it was the same mom just reminded me of... My mother yeah. smacking me. So thanks a lot for bringing up that trauma. Well, I, have to, I have to say that because you know, 
as a black man immediately, if I have two kids with an age gap like that, there's no way on God's green mm-hmm. earth that they came from the same. Yeah, that's um, true. That's see, true. Same, it's a big age gap. Um, you know, is is there... I'm so sorry. Yeah, it is great because you know what I think actually the benefit of having an age gap like that is you enjoy that second baby so much more than the first one. I think because you know everything that they're going to go through a little bit as they grow. Even your youngest is a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so even though she's obviously a daughter and not a son, you just, I think you savor those moments more. I feel like if I was a mom or a new mom again, I would be such a better parent. I would like feed them healthier. I would read more books. Mm. I would. I sounds would good on paper. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. All, right. All that stuff I, sounds good on paper because when you're an old parent, you're just like tired all the time. So you're like, God damn it, <laughs> if you want Cheerios for dinner, that's what you're having. Right. I actually am like, a big uh, advocate in for Cheerios. In my mind, I want her eating broccoli, peas, carrots, corn, uh, you know, every meal. Right. I got a show tonight. You need to eat anything you want. <laughs> Have a cookie and go to Yeah. Bed. <laughs> I think that's I'm common. exaggerating, but it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's tougher. You know, you know I, I get tough people who like to have a lot of kids and kids later in life because it's, it's exhausting <laughs> on a level that, whew. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Guys, oh, my God. The energy that they have is just insane. It's just the bouncing off the walls. It's like, man, if I could just eject a little bit of that into me, man, the things I could accomplish. <laughs> it's true. I think that kids um, kids can keep you young, too. So, I don't know, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying my kids now. Like I said, my oldest is going to be 21 in July, and uh, then I, my other son's going to be 20. I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old daughter, and I, I really am enjoying who they are becoming as people, except when they're a-holes. But <laughs> yeah, you got a house full of adults. Yeah, it's crazy, and they're all kind of all over the place all the time. So, yeah, you, so is your you son? A full of adults in an empty refrigerator. That's what you have. <laughs> oh my God, you're not kidding. You're not kidding, especially because my older two are boys. One of my sons eats oh. at home way more than the other one. But um, yeah, it's crazy. So, your oldest son is that Shawnee B? That is Shawnee B. Shawnee B. So let's talk about the super incredible out of this world imagination of Shawnee B, which is this amazingly illustrated short story that I read today about the snack attack. So I just wanted you to share a little bit about this brainchild. You know, I liked, um, everyone should get this book. How do they get this book? They can go onto my website, um, right on the sidebar, an actual link to the book. BarnesandNobles.com. Uh, you can go to smashwords.com, just type in my name, Gerald Benford, take it right to the book, or you can get it right through my site. And the site, again, is geraldb.com, J-E-R-R-O-L-D-B as in banana.com, and go to that site. Uh, you can also, you know, everybody's going to want to visit your site anyway because there's a lot of uh, stand-up on his site. It's hysterical, yeah, especially when stuff. There's a lot of Funny stuff. blogs and stuff, you know. Tell, I tell you about comedy a little bit in some of my blogs. But, uh, well, as far as the book is concerned, like I said, you know, it's just writing all these ideas down. When you put your kids to bed sometimes and you're just making up weird characters and stories, I'm sure you've done it. I'm sure you're yes. sitting there with a kid and you take your hand and make it into a hand puppet and, and the kids interact. 
Like we used to, I used to make a hand puppet with my hand and call them jelly hands. And every time my son would smack him, he would get mad at my son and start tickling the hell out of him. So that was the thing. Every day, Joey Hand would come out and just tickle him. So Joey Hand is an actual character that you'll see in one of my other books. <laughs> so I have a million characters like that. It's like the first word comes out of my mouth becomes a character. We give it an identity, and it just. Did you do all your own artwork well, for the book? The funny thing is, is the book is, are these African-American ducks, if you notice. Yeah, and I did. When, when I was in high school, I used to draw the ducks like that, because I used to say, I'm making black ducks. I don't know why. <laughs> and I Wasn't them, Daffy a black African duck? African-American lips. You saw the lips on the duck, right? Next time, look at the lips. So I'm getting real African-American lips. <laughs> I'm looking Daffy at duck. your I'm looking at it. <laughs> I'm a Negro Daffy Duck. That's what I made. <clears throat> oh my gosh, so, that's too funny. <laughs> so, so that was it. He was the concept for the main character, and then the idea, the whole imagination thing, is just to take on all the stuff that him and I made up over the years. And so the- now we're on the, the next one is Rory McDory because my daughter's name is Aurora. We call her Rory. <laughs> right. She's a clown, so the next one's called Rory McDory, the Clown Princess. Oh, my gosh. She's so cute, everyone. I want them to follow you, just not even to look at you, to look at how cute that little girl is, because the videos the videos that you post of her are so sweet. And you know what? I think the love between a dad and a daughter is something I love to see. It really, it really warms my heart, and you can pretty much tell she has you wrapped around her finger. Am I right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she will not be on the pole unless she's a firewoman. Right. I well, that's a good goal <laughs> to have. How? Tell so, us about your wife. I think that you are are funny. You're charismatic, but I'm sure you have got to get super annoying at times. I, I know that my husband sometimes feels that way about me, so I'm going to throw you in this pot. Oh yeah, I'm I'm annoying as hell because first of all, I'm in a good mood all the time, which mm-hmm. annoys the hell out of anyone. Right. You know, when I wake up with a smile on my face and ready to jump on the day, uh, she wakes up in pretty good mood, but she's like your average person that wakes up and like, uh, and then she sees me going, good morning, and then I just choke me. Right, so you're but, a morning uh, person. She's, <laughs> she's, I'll tell you, this, she's one of the sweetest, dearest, my, my wife's Italian, and she is all about the family. I mean, she is the glue. So she's one of those people that... That she makes work, and I give it up to all of you women that, that make the household work. Like, it's just something that you don't, you just know it is happening. Sometimes you don't even see it, but it's happening, and you realize it's just a simple thing. When there's always toilet paper, it's glue that keeps the house moving. <laughs> yeah, every I think toilet time paper I go is to necessary. Ass, there's toilet paper. Huh? Right. Yeah, you don't realize that. You don't realize. When you go grab that bottle of water out the refrigerator that she made that two days earlier when you're at the grocery store, and she's like, grab four waters. And you're like, we don't need any water. And then you grab the four waters, and then two days later, you go, thank God she made me get water, because I would not have gotten that water. Right. So see, they're very, very important glue. So to all so, your listeners, eyes are the glue. Right. So your wife is basically described as an Italian woman who is the glue in running your household because she provides the water and the toilet paper. Yes. She that, keeps everything I don't think there's sanitary. any, there is no 
better way to respect that woman than that. And when you eulogize, well, you probably won't eulogize her, but I think that that says it all. <laughs> your, I, can, I can say the obvious. You can always say because she's so sweet, loving, and I love her. And she's right. Not very no, much. I think it's great. But, you know, you got you to gotta get a little deeper than that. So why does, you got to know why, because everybody's different. You know, right. you have to answer that question different. Why you're his, his rock, you know. So, so that's why she's my rock, because it's the little things that you don't even think about it then. Because men are horrible with that. You take yeah. a man, you take a grown man in his own apartment, um, he won't buy underwear. I mean, he won't <laughs> buy toilet paper. He'll have one stuff because the other one is in the toilet. <laughs> We're horrible. I just we need you. Got- I got a, such a visual when you said that. First, he's not buying underwear. Then he's not buying toilet paper. And then you had to bring in the socks. So, holy Listen, crap. Literally. That's it's awesome. Tr- it's true. We're not, we're <laughs> I'm curious about the future of your books. Now, I noticed when I bought it, it was like, an, it was. we just have a, actually a quick few minutes. It was an e-version. Are your books ever going to go to print? I was curious only because the, the artwork in them is so amazing. And I know we can read books to our kids on our tablets and everything at night. But I was just curious if they were going to go to print. Eventually, they will definitely go to print. I took the ebook method at the time because it was, of course, a thousand times cheaper. Right. If, uh, and as you, you know, said before, you have nothing to give. Was that? <laughs> I said, and you said before, you don't have anything to give. So definitely go the route That's of the it. ebook. That's it. But what I, what I say to people is like this like when you write your book, and it's also because you're. The sound of the book that you and your partner are going to write is definitely good for an ebook. Now, children's books, I would say, aren't the best for ebooks because people and kids love to generally have a real book in their hand. My mm-hmm. book is more for the convenient road trip or they're getting on your nerves somewhere and you can just say, take this iPad and read something. But definitely a good old fashioned real book is the way to go with children's books. And I'll get there. I think it's great. I think it's a um, a great path for you. Actually, you're a very good storyteller. And even it being a short story, I think it was the perfect amount of, of detail, of color, of storyline to captivate a short attention span. So not that my nieces oh, have short attention you. spans, but they're young. You know, so well, I wanted to just... the key word. What's that? You said the key word is attention span. I'm writing a book on how to do comedy now that's going to be about 50 pages because it does 90, 200-page book. People just need to get to the point. Right, absolutely. I write get to the point book. You know, I wanted to thank you for sharing your gift with us and your gifts being, um, you know, you're, you're a, you were a great mentor in the classroom. And even though you're not in the classroom now, I, you know, I love that you were able to make an impact on somebody that still remembered you in their adult life. You're an author. These, these childhood or these children's books are going to grow. And I'll be definitely uh, remaining in that as an audience member for that. And I wanted to just, again, encourage our listeners to go to GeraldB.com where they can find your book, they can find your stand up and they can learn more about comics that give a damn thank you so much for coming on the show today gerald it's been great getting to know you i look forward to uh growing this friendship and working together in the future i am glad you brought some humor and some laughs to raising the bar so i thank you so much yeah, for your absolutely. time again to all our You're listeners be on my podcast too. what's that 
You're going to be on my podcast, too. Remember Oh, that. God. All right, everybody. Well, as soon as we have the information <laughs> on that, I'll be sure to release that. Please also yeah. feel free to reach out to me at amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. You have been listening to Raising the Bar. This is Amy Bradle and, Brado and my co-host, Gerald Benford. I can't even see my name right. And we will talk to you soon. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.